of Jeepers dropped out towards the top of the field. They straighten up from the inside. Hazar, I want to be a Jeepers, hit the lead in the centre. Hazar on the inside. Jarhead joining in late. Uh, down the outside is Barry behind, but Jarhead storms up and goes to the lead. Jarhead gets up for Rodney Little over a photo between as they go into the sun. It would be Van Winkle and Ferry Me Home. A daring ride didn't come off there. Yes, that was the Wallowie Cup, the time honoured at Ilfracombe on Saturday. A bumper seven race card there. A bumper seven race card also at Roma. And throw in six at Mount Isa for good measure. Yes, we're back. We've had a couple of weeks off. And time for the Greater Western Queensland Racing News Podcast. Andrew Watts with you here in the studio. Maxi Tanks, as always, looking a little fresher than he did Sunday. How are you, mate? Yeah, feeling fine now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a win for the Longreach Ilfracombe uh, Tigers. The joint venture, their first uh, match as a combined unit goes down as a win. Yeah, I thought it was a great day, actually. Um, Ilfracombe all around. Seven really good competitive races. Um and then made the trip across to the rec centre to watch the footy. Um, I thought it was, yeah, it was, it was a really great day. Now you've played plenty of sport and uh, been competitive uh, in in your day. Is Have you ever had a lucky charm or a superstition? You know, they all sort of come in together. So I'll go for a more recent one related to races. Yep. Lately, my horses are not winning if I'm there. Yes. Ooh. If I'm if, And Julie made the exact same comment on Saturday, Julie Egling. Max, can you please stop coming back to the races again? There's <laughs> a superstition. Brooke Richardson <laughs> joins us. Uh, good evening, Brooke. And do you have a lucky charm or a superstition? Oh, look, for a long time there, um, I had one whip that I would use and I just couldn't. I know some jockeys, they can swap and they can change and it might be getting a bit too worn out and they get a new whip and it just they just carry on and it doesn't bother them but I've had a very very well used whip they actually told me the stewards told me one day that they'd have to take it off me and that I should get a new one because it was that worn um but I just couldn't ride without it it just felt right and comfortable and I had a pair of boots the same and um held them together with a bit of black tape for as long as I could but I had to retire them so um yeah I'm very funny with my gear once I'm comfortable with it uh that's what I like to use yeah same with me I had routines especially in cricket but uh probably the the most notable one was yellow jocks I figured to say left pad, right pad. No, so a pad up from the top to the bottom. Really? That's yeah. complete opposite everyone complete else. Complete opposite yep. everyone else, yeah. And red and yellow jocks. Yep. Mm. Actually, um, the girls make fun of me in the jockey's room because I put my helmet on and they all say, you know, you've got to put your colours on. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And now they just know that I do it. They still pick on me, but I've got to put my helmet on first. My helmet has to be sitting right. Otherwise, I'm not, if it's not right, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> There you go. It was a weekend of doubles and trebles all over the place. We're going to start by looking at uh, the Ilfraco meeting. As I said, seven races, some fantastic races, and uh, doubles to David Rewalt as a trainer and Emma Bell with the riding honours with a double. We'll start in race number one, and Juan Capilano got the cutest money for Boy Foster and Timmy Brummel. It was a great finish, defeating Blade Man for Todd Austin and Emma Bell, and Sarah Tarley uh, wound up in third position, Max. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, Juan Capilano, the, the two races now for the Boy Fossil Stable, a second and a first, um, definitely looks like she's going to get better over a little bit further, and Timmy Rummel much talks the same um, when coming back. But Blademan played up something terrible going into the barrier, so uh, I, I think once he gets a bit of improvement with some racing under his belt... Um, 
could be the type that I might be um, able to go along for a couple. More cutest money went off in race number two with Tan Din getting the prize for David Rewalt. He trains and rides. Barrister margins over the heavily backed Para Park for Richard Simpson and Matty Gray. And he's a wild one for Tony Schofield and Jason Misson in third. But Brooke, it was the first of a winning double to David. Yeah, once again, David Rewald, uh, look, I just think he places him unreal and he has a knack for um, getting horses to adjust well to the bush racing. Uh, he seems to buy the right ones and, yeah, you can't fault him. Trainer, jockey, the, the whole shebang, he goes, all right. Race three, I'll stay with you, Brooke, because you rode the winner of race three, Granola State. Now, you talk about horses placed well. I know when this horse won at Augathella in a 50, I thought that was about his mark. Well, prove me wrong. Got up to a 60 and got the cash. Half-length over Music Award, and the launcher was a pretty impressive run in third. But Granola State, well-timed run by yourself, Brooke. Yeah, this horse gave me a fantastic feel just the moment I stepped on its back. It was nice and relaxed in the yard, and the minute we got out on the track and I popped over his neck, he just he, the way he strided to the barriers, he just felt well. I just had a really, really good feeling. I actually said to Dave behind the gates, I said, geez, Matt, I don't know if it's a good sign or what, but he's, he's a bit full of himself, like he feels great. And, um, yeah, he won like a nice horse too. Um, he, um, he is is quite a nice ride and I actually think the horse will um, keep going and I think that he'll um, do all right up over a bit more distance too now after a few races. Race four, the Brummelock Hay Runners benchmark 60,000 metres. That was, this is division two of that race. And Kalmar, uh, great to see uh, Patrick O'Toole back in the winner's circle. Jason Misson with the ride three quarters of length over night in paradise, ready to win. And Strawberry Brond back in third, just uh, length and a, change outside the winner but Kalmar I'd say Patrick by his own admissions uh, Max hasn't had a boomy year like years gone by this might be the win he needs to kick it all along yeah it could be um, pretty openly admitted I'd, I'd sacked this horse after his last couple of starts but you know he's, I wish I had plenty of speed and if you looked at his at his form up in um, up in the territory I, I, he definitely had the ability to come out here and and win a few. Um, this might be that confidence booster, like you said, for the stable um, and the horse. Uh, Brooke, you rode him for a, a couple of times as well. He, 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 I think he's got a bit of ability. Just what, what do you, what do you put it down to of him putting it on the track? Oh yeah, I definitely think the horse can gallop. He does show the ability. He's just he can be moody, and he's the type of horse if he's if he's in a bit of a fuss and he's a bit hot, he's sort of hard to calm down and get his mind on the job but uh when he's nice and relaxed and he's having a good day he does everything right and it pays off for him he's just one of them horses he can he can be a little bit funny stay with you brook race five spelina danielle o'brien doing a wonderful job with her small team of bell the winning jockey there first of her double defeated porter bell much better back in trip i thought run second and nitwit did it all up front and only been beaten three quarters of length but spelina uh, Danielle and Emma, great combination. Yeah, look, it's good to see um, that combo, the O'Brien combo with um, Emma Bell still uh, kicking winners home even after Dennis. You know, Danielle's taken over and she's done a fantastic job, so all credit to her. And that race was a bit of, bit of a tricky one. There was a fair few of them caught wide. It was a bit of a mumble-jumbled moment there. But, um, yeah, Spelina knuckled down and Emma rode her out nice and strong to, to get the win. And, yeah, you, you never get tired of seeing the um, emotion on... Danielle's face and how much it means to them so I think it's really nice to see Balenti wasn't served terribly well up the straight in the Rockhampton Cup and ran a gallant third 
And uh, not too long after, Ray Herman Cornella to race six at Elfricombe with Do I Have To and Sizzle Sunner ding-dong up the straight. But Do I Have To for Ray and Alicia Ross got the cash, came up the fence. Quite the opposite, Maxi, to what happened at McKinlay when she went via the Cape when was really running into the race. Over Sizzle Sun, who really relishes this 1,400 metres and plus, an arcade with a big weight in third posse. There's a race in him shortly as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a really weird day all around. I mean, there was no sort of trend that you could you could follow um, that was consistent across the races. I mean, we saw the first few races, they were coming down the outside and then Race six, uh, Alicia and Brooke, they were both along the rail for the um, Ray Herman Quinella there. So a great effort from these two horses. Um, you know, I admittedly thought they probably both have been running better on grass of lately, but they um, certainly turned it around on the dirt uh, there on Saturday. It's always tricky, Brooke, when you go to these once-a-year meetings to see what's going to be dished up. Uh, Ilfracombe, a tricky track at the best of times. How did it play Saturday? Yeah, look, I couldn't agree with Max Moore. I don't think there was a real set pattern for the day. And uh, I know coming into the home straight, the track was nice and fluffy and, and light on top and it wasn't too hard. But you've got, Ilfracombe's funny, you've got a bit of a hill to go up um, around the back there. And uh, yeah, I think some horses, they don't handle that hill. And it was really hard around the back. But then as you come into the straight, it was soft. So it was almost two different surfaces uh, for the horses to adjust to. But, um, yeah, all round, it was a good day racing. It was just sort of, um, yeah, ride your own race. There was no real spot to be for the day. Yeah. Popular win in the Donaldson family, Wallowie Cup over 1,400. Jarhead arriving in the last stride for local trainer Rodney Little and Emma Bell, the second leg of her winning double. Three quarters length over Ferry Me Home, which looked to have it all parceled up with 50 to go. And Van Winkle was good in third. Heroism was good in fourth, Max. Wrap it up. Yeah, speaking to um, Rodney and Emma after the race, they both agreed that um, they probably kept the blinkers on maybe one or two starts too long. Um, been racing way too keenly with blinkers but they took him off he was able to settle right at the back of the field and then um still coming around the bend he was almost last and then emma put him into a great spot and he just accelerated on the straight there and went past ferry me home had to do all the hard work wide um the leaders faded away and and jarhead uh, was able to take home the hometown cup for the little stable black book uh black book would actually be night in paradise absolutely huge run um into second there in race four early in the day. Race six at Roma was the Brenner's open handicap over 1,200 metres. Even money favourite was VJ Day. Fab's Cowboy, $2.80. Here's Peter Flynn with the closing stages. Could have been all ends. VJ Day searching for the centre of the track. Reaches the lead from midnight matinee to Consiglier. Fab's Cowboy running on, but VJ Day down past the 100. Looks well clear. BJ Day, two weeks, two wins in a fortnight, wins by four lengths, tight for second. VJ Day beating Fab's Cowboy there in the open at Roma on Saturday. It was a big day. It was doubles all around. In fact, there was doubles uh, early on in the day to Gary Gear and Craig Smith with a double, Pat Webster with a double, uh, Angela Jones with a treble. Maxi, but VJ Day looks a bit above, and I think he probably is this type of horse I wouldn't mind seeing going forward into a stampede at the end of the year. Yeah, look, that's um, the exact same Quinella as the last two Roma meetings there, VJ Day over Fab's Cowboy. Um, Angela Jones obviously now got a great association with his horse riding extremely well. Uh, it, he's well-travelled. I remember he, he popped up up north for a little while there with Georgie Holt, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and obviously he's made his way back down south here now. Um, to Roma, um, 
So, you know, fingers crossed they've got a smart one there on their hands. Uh, before we go through the results, Brooke, uh, news coming out of Roma is Dan McGilvray's on the move. Yeah, I believe he's headed to the Sunshine Coast on um, a three-month uh, three months loan there with a, with another trainer. So, yeah, he'll be testing the waters out and seeing what it's like in the big smoke and hopefully all goes well for him. Yeah, we don't know if he'll be heading back to Craig after the three months or if he'll be... Um, enjoying it and doing well for himself in sta- extending that time. Yeah, we certainly wish him all the best. He's uh, done pretty well over uh, his time in the saddle. Let's look at the results in race one. Hangry for Benny Waldron and Gary Gear and big, big winner. Four and a half lengths over uh, Craig Lee Bandit for Crystal Johnson and Angela Jones and uh, Shirasashi for Glenda Bell and Mick Shrapple five and a half lengths away in third. But Hangry, Maxi finally got the chocolates. Yeah, I think we all backed it last start at Rockhampton when it ran third. Um, thanks, Nuggy Turnbull, for that tip. <laughs> but uh, no, this is um, obviously went through that. She went through the sales. Uh, Benny Waldron's picked up a nice one here. Uh, was able to get the chocolates first up for the stable and get an immediate return on investment. Always a certainty that Craig Smith uh, gets a couple of winners at his home track, and that was the case with Bright Copper uh, winning race two on the card. Uh, won it pretty well. Just uh, flicked off my screen there. Uh, f- uh, length and a quarter over Deadly One and uh, Valara de Harris. Uh, but uh, Craig Smith, uh, Brookie, always tough to beat at Roma. He sure is. It's his home track and he's a fantastic trainer. And I think he's when you've got someone like Gary Gearan on board too, um, you're going to be hard to beat. It's a pretty solid combination. And good to see Gary getting a few winners after he uh, travelled all the way out to Barky and then had to turn around and go home. <laughs> Oh, a first leg of a winning double that was for Craig Smith. In race three, a first leg of a winning double for Pat Webster. Treble for Angela Jones with patented. A huge winner. Four lengths over. Done it again for Ross Meek and Betty Moffat. Four love uh, in third position for Wayne Baker and Jacob Golden. But painted it. Another big winner for Pat Webster. Yeah, Pat Webster's table's flying at the moment, isn't it? Not afraid to sort of travel. Uh, if these ones to chase those short course sort of races as well. A winner at Dolby over the 800 start before. Uh, stepped up to the 900 here in a benchmark 60 and was a, a good winner against Done It Again, who's been winning races um, across the Central West. Over to the next race, and it was Ringo's Magic uh, getting the cash for Gavin Dempsey in the second leg of a winning double for Angela Jones. Boom or bust, Craig Smith in second with Dan McGilvray, all too sweet, Roman Fires at Anna Vakos. Ringo's Magic, Gavin Dempsey, but Angela Jones, Brooke, is flying. Yeah, that she is. Uh, she is hard to beat at the moment, but I think that's all um, all down to her work ethic and a good attitude within the racing game. I think that uh, if she continues that, she's going to go a long way. I, I really like her style of racing, and I think she's a very down-to-earth kid with a good head on her shoulders what can you tell us about trainer gavin dempsey i'm just looking at his record here he's only really trained the one horse since 2018 that is ringo's magic he, ringo's magic he's based in bell yeah i don't know much about gavin myself either so i can't really comment too far on that one <laughs> oh gee whiz okay let's go to race five second leg of a winning double for Craig Smith with Hawk Dan McGilvray riding this one. One by two and a quarter lengths over Disco Dougie. It was Disco Maxi on Saturday night for Scott Rogers and Johnny Rod and Stazana for Pat Richardson and Robbie Farr in third. But Hawk, I think that's two in a row, Max. It is two in a row. Um, four from his last six. He uh, was sort of always really low in the ratings. It was struggling to get a start there for a while. And I know he's, uh, he's 
when he's actually getting to the races now, he's r- racing extremely well. So um, it's, it's, I know we keep saying it, but Smithy, he's absolutely flying at the moment. And this is another one of those ones that he's got the form reversal on. Now, a good run at... Carnamulla by Rinviada was franked when it came out in one race seven on the card for Wayne Baker and Scott Swedeman. Big three and a half lengths over Take a Shine for Craig Smith and Gary Gearin and Craig Lee Satina uh, back in third position, beaten just under four. But uh, Wayne Baker, another trainer from Roma, uh, Brookie, and he's just starting to chip away now. Yeah, he's starting to get back into winning form now. Um, He's always got a new horse popping up here and there. I think he's always keeping an eye out and getting them from somewhere. But, uh, yeah, good to see Scotty Swedeman in the winner's circle as well. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Wayne's horses are starting to get back on the winning winning role again. Uh, Maxie, anything uh, to keep an eye out from the meeting? I think Hangry could be the type that, that becomes a progressive little filly out here in the, um, in the bush. She's got that sort of on-pace racing style where... Um, she might be able to go on with it. So maybe just Hangry could be one to watch. Maybe not this prep, but in the preps to come. Up to the Iser. And uh, this is the last meeting before the Rodeo Thursday meeting coming up in a little under three weeks from now. It was doubles to Stephen Royce, Jason Babarabich, Justin Borden, Nor Yardy, and Tanya Parry, of course, on a big day up there with the six races, starting with uh, an early double to Stephen Royce. He won by Banks, firstly with Banksy Strikes, who was wide, a really good run at McKinlay, came out one by six and three-quarter lengths with Jason Hooper in the pigskin, over Zagatova uh, for Jay Morris and Rick McMahon, and Soviet in third maxi. Yeah, Banksy strikes. It was a faster time than the open as well. Um, so full credit there for Roisy and Hoops. They've carried the big weight there to 62 kilos and um, down in grade in the benchmark 55 was able to pull off a big win. Grand Symphony won race two for Stephen Royce and Jason Babarabich. That was the second leg of Royce's training double, first leg of Jason's riding double. Over Warren Bungle for George Tipping and Rachel Shred, who was certainly doing its best work late, and Spanish Hurricane wound up in third. But uh, another good win for Royce there with Grand Symphony uh, cracking in an open company, Max. Yeah, it was. Uh, Grand Symphony, you know, he's got the, Royce's got these horses that always seem to pop up at this... Um, this open company level over that 1450, you know, speak of loud enough, he's been dominant around there for ages. Um, Grand Symphony, another one here now. He's, he's always been ticking away. Uh, won a class six a few starts back, but he's probably going to take his place in, as one of the open company um, middle distance runners up there in the north. Race three, first leg of uh, winning double for both trainer and jockey here. Arcing hard for Justin Borden and Noyardi winning race three. It was a big win too over Cacto Blaskus and Dance Harvin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets me every week. George Tipping <laughs> and Jason Hooper. And backed it straight up with uh, Mr. Tyndall uh, winning for Borden and Yardy over Wicked Wiki. He, he loves Mount Isa and Tanya Parry. Great to see Esco back in the saddle. Justin Esser on uh, Wicked Wiki and uh, Magic Town. But uh, Mount Isa, Brookie, it's, it's one of those tracks, isn't it? It's a real horses for courses track. And Wicked Wiki, one of those special types that love it. He's uh, won 11 of his 17 races there. 13 of his 17 races there, sorry. Yeah, definitely loves the, the heavier going then. And the sand, obviously, is that horse's um, mojo. Yeah, I've only been there a couple of times with no success whatsoever. <laughs> so um, I had a lot... Actually, my horses hadn't raced on the surface before and a lot of them actually slipped at the start on the jump. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, it can be a tricky track. And uh, Maxi Justin Borden, he's had a great year with his gallopers. Uh, Arking Hard, I think that might be his fourth win, and probably the same with Mr. Tyndall. Yeah, I mean, Arking Hard had, has had six starts at the track now for four wins and two minor placings. Um, and that win of Arking Hard over Cacto Blasters, Dance Carvin, and Scarpa, they all look like they're sort of smart ones that are going to be pretty handy up there in the north. So that's definitely going to be a form race to follow. And Mr. Tyndall, he's been got a new lease of life since entering, um, entering the stable up there for... Uh, Justin, um, I mean, we've seen him pop up on the scene with a win over Belante first up and he's picked up his uh, second, uh, third win since then. So worst position's been a fourth. So he's definitely been a money spinner for the stable. Race five and six resulted in uh, Quinella's for Tanya Parry. Uh, race five was won by New York Poet and Jason Babarich in the saddle there. That was the second leg of his winning double. Defeated Crazy Suspect and Tank Attack. Typical maiden though, Maxi. Uh, only half a length covering the top three. It was actually a really, it was a really competitive race. Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> Tank Attack's one we've sort of been looking out for ever since that run at at McKinley, um, probably another one's going to need a little bit further. But Tanya Parry, she's going to. I think this is probably going to be the time of year we see her really start to uh, put some winners on the board. She's going to have those fit horses, um, and I suppose that's evident with the last two races being Quinellad. And uh, the last race was the second leg of that double for Tanya, and also Quinella Cash Bundle winning with Rachel Shred in the saddle, um, the defeating Ticket Keeper. It was Keith Ballard riding a Duntroon man for Sean Royce and Noyardi in third, some 10 and three quarter lengths away. But Rachel Shred, uh, Brooke, you don't see her coming out west too often. Um, she's a zero claimer, but uh, good to see all travelling jockeys, of course. Yeah, it's always good to see a new jockey pop up out this way because uh, with all the meetings that have been on lately, they're few and far between. I know um, some places have been struggling for jockeys, but it's nice to see a fresh face. Have we got uh, one to follow there, Maxie? Maybe just follow the format of the race in the Class 3. Obviously, Arking Hard has spoke of, but Cacto Blaskus, Dance Carvin and Scarpa are all uh, all in there behind. Jeez, that would have been a hard race to call. Yeah. Arking Hard, Cacto Blaskus, Dance Carvin, Scarpa. <laughs> Chuck and I Quill are in there as well. I've got to try and figure out how I'm going to say Dance Carvin for Radio Thursday because I've probably referred to it several different ways in this podcast. I'm actually going to have to call it. Dance Carvin. Dance Carvin. Okay, yeah, big week for Aussie sport. Uh, the Boomers beating the USA today. Um, and obviously the, the big tennis duo, uh, Dylan Alcott, but Ash Barty, Max. And, um, and Bam Bam winning UFC on the weekend as well. Yes, so it's been a huge week for Aussie sport. So our top five today, Max, I'm going straight to you, is your top five favourite Aussie sportsmen. Now, they don't have to be racing-related. They don't have to be playing now. But some Aussies that have been maybe seen on the big stage and um, performed well. Yeah, look, I'm probably pretty, um, I suppose, indicative of the sports that I really follow here because I haven't really st- I've strayed away from cricket and rugby league. But obviously, uh, yeah. number five for me is going to be Michael Hussey. I think he's a player cricket. who um, the work ethic of to still make it to uh, make his debut when he was 30 odd eight years of age and have a, a, a fruitful career um, all the way through to his retirement going out on top. I think that's something to admire. Matty Hayden, everyone's favourite Queenslander. Um, Matt the Bat. Massive, massive man who just tore apart so many bowling attacks. Uh, inferred Billy Slater. Um, Billy the Kid, another famous Queenslander. Um who I suppose was transitioned the fullback role into what we've seen it today. Number two, Ricky Ponting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've mentioned that before actually on this one. Just uh, the 
little uh, passion I had for him when I was younger. And number one, Cam Smith. I think that one's probably pretty predictable. I struggled. And I'm going to go to Brooke first because I've got six here and one's going to have to drop out. But I actually couldn't come down to one rugby league player. There's no one rugby league player I love. It's a bit sad, isn't it? No, you just love the game. I love the game. Adam Hughes maybe could be on top. <laughs> Brooke, who have you got? Well, I sort of went, I wouldn't say mine's based on um, like a passion or a love for one sport or something. I sort of went with some athletes that have a fair knowledge of the background that I find uh, inspirational or someone uh, to look up to and their athleticism as well. So a couple for the girls, I put in Ash Barty, obviously. Um, I think it's amazing that she started the sport at such a young age and has continued on to do so. Even when she decided to have a breakaway, she still took up another professional sport. Mm. Um, I just think it goes to show it's easy to get caught up being young in the scene of drinking and partying and doing all that fun stuff, but it's nice to see some people uh, knuckling down and uh, making a really good go for themselves. So I put her in as one. Um, Hugh Bowman, obviously, the Group 1 king. I just think it's fantastic. He was a farm boy, um, grew up in the country, much like some of us out here. He's gone on to um, an elite level at age 40. He's still going. He's maintaining um, himself at that elite level for such a long time, as well as managing a family life and everything else in between. So never answered my text I, message. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Someone to look up to. You'll love this one. What's he? Cameron Smith. Yes, yes. Uh, Logan Boy. I just think um, you know, for any young fella coming through, starting footy or looking to play pro, like what a role model. He's started with the Storm. He continued on with them for many years and stayed with the same club, 433 or 430. I could be wrong. You'll have to correct me. But um, I just think that's pure dedication, um, you know, to start on a team and work your way right to the top, be the leader, um, be such a representative for the sport. So um, he's definitely in there with the top five Aussie athletes. I did have Dylan Alcott um, just for the pure fact that alongside his achievements in sport, um, his gold medals at the Paralympics and um, all of that in the Didn't wheelchair. Didn't answer my text message either. <laughs> <laughs> in my wheelchair, in wheelchair tennis. Um, like, he's a motivational speaker on the side. He not only um, is known for his sporting ability, but... Um, his dedication to normalising disabilities uh, mm. as, you know, he was disabled right from birth. So um, I think he's a fantastic role model for young people looking to get into sport, even if they are in a wheelchair. Um, and I had Stephanie Gilmore. She was my other girl. Seven times, uh, seven times, I'm pretty sure, six. I'm going to say seven. She's taken out the world title um, in the women's surfing, and she started at a young age as well. She started competing pro at 17. So, yeah, once again, I just think it's fantastic that uh, the work ethic and the dedication that goes into um, achieving some of these goals when um, they could easily just go and be a normal kid. But, um, yeah, they've done well for themselves. Before I get into mine, big credit, obviously, to Jamie Carr. And I don't know if anyone saw the RaceNet post that went up. How many winners actually Linda Meach has ridden as well? That surprised me, actually. I don't know if you, yeah, it, Linda Meach has ridden a lot. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't, because she's always been the type that's ticked along and 
Yeah. Kind of like Jamie, she doesn't like the faster spotlight. Yeah. Um, just likes to keep on, you know, doing her own thing, um, <laughs> which is, I suppose, riding winners, isn't it? So, um, you know, there's. I think there's always been a one female that's always been dominant mm. there in, in Victoria, hasn't there? But it's, yeah. it's great to see now with Linda coming back after the birth of her baby um, and Jamie, you know, coming out with... 101 winners now um we're going to see that those female you know especially the apprentice as well as a few coming yeah. through that's going to keep going strength to strength now i, I rack my brain and the one i'm going to drop out's a horse because but i think the the i, I was torn between black caviar and Maccabi diva and what i came down to is the fact that she won three melbourne cups obviously so she's just outside the top five uh, <laughs> luke longley makes it in for his um 80s with the Chicago Bulls, making it inside Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. Uh, and he played such a big role, Maxie, didn't he, as well? Like, he, he was there in the centre. He it, was bustling. It's not something I suppose I would have really noticed until I watched the, yeah. the Last Dance documentary. That's um, I'm old, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leighton Hewitt, he was a bloke I never really shone, took a shine to as he was playing, but... When you watch him play, he was like a he was the bulldog, wasn't he? His tenacity and his will to win. I, that's what I loved about him. Um, the shark, Greg Norman, um, a great Aussie sportsman uh, who went all around the world. He's still probably playing in uh, um, the the old the OAPs now, but uh, he was a great player. Tim Cahill, I think he was the face of Australian soccer for so long. He always scored a goal in in the clutch times, and um, on top Shane Warne, what he could do with a ball. And off the field. <laughs> and off the field. <laughs> the way he could text with both hands. No, but like he... Um, like the I'm ball. worried about you, Katie Perry, Shane Warren. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you just watch the ball of century. You watch some of the other things he pulled off. Unbelievable. Just his cricketing mind. I, know, I, I, prob- I can't stand him now as a commentator. Yeah, he overplays it now, doesn't he? But when he was still coming to the end of his career playing some of those 2020 cricket and he was commentating where he's going to put balls and how he was going to get people out yeah. and how he's setting them up. It's just incredible to hear a cricketing mind as we get yeah. into that, you know, that access to those players. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, he, he really was one of those ultimate sportsmanship. Today's, sportsman. today's hot topic um, takes us back to the Battle of Bush a few weeks ago. On the Thursday leading up to Battle of the Bush, there was a country racing forum held at Albion Park uh, with some of the key stakeholders uh, right across Queensland. There was, uh, there was uh, trainers... Uh, executives etc all met uh, country board members to talk a bit about the future of country racing now some of the obvious things that we'd like to see in the coming months in the coming years i guess obviously top of the list is prize money and and that's the thing that people a lot focus on but there's so many other aspects to take into account and uh, i just thought it'd be timely maybe to get our thoughts um, because it's three different ways of thinking here starting with you max um you know Prize money, feature race prize money, all of those sorts of things are definitely at the top top of the list. But there's lots of other little things ticking over in the background that I'm quite sure we'd like to see. Yeah, look, I actually um, sent a pretty long email down with, with Mr Luck when he went down as one of our representatives from out here, just with things that if we had the opportunity to, I suppose, have the floor or, or bring up in discussion, just little things that have picked up of across, you know, my only short time in racing, but I just... Really worried about how, especially in the bush, we're going to transition into that that younger, like younger brigade. I mean, um, especially from an owner's perspective, we're not getting that younger ownership group in. And you know, what some of my thoughts is perhaps even looking at something like owners' incentives. Magic Millions does it in a great way with uh, you know a female ownership group. The first one home gets a bonus. Um, 
you know, even if it's something like an under 30s, under 40 ownership group, that you can get an incentive for something like cups or sprints or something. Just something to try and get younger people into ownership. And obviously a big thing as well is prize money. You know, we, we've seen the tried horse market skyrocketed during COVID. It's probably come back a little bit now, but it's still nowhere near where it was, um, you know, a couple of years ago. But our prize money is still staying the same. It makes it hard for the everyday person yep. to want to be able to get into racing that's not an owner-trainer and still be able to, uh, I suppose, feed that horse and, you know, have that drive to keep wanting to, you know, get that prize money in to pay for the horses. And you make a valid point, and Alpha's the perfect example, isn't it? A phantom meeting where they can get 1,500 or 2,000 people. Don't care if there's a horse race or not. So making, incentivizing it, to get those people into racing, you've got a captive audience. They're already there at the races. They're already dressed up. But to transfer them now into into the other side of racing, that's key. Oh, Even if it's only a small percentage. It only has to be a small percentage. But, you know, that smaller percentage grows when people see how much fun they're having. So, yeah, it, I just think there's got to be ways that we can try and transition into that younger brigade again to get them in, especially into ownership. I mean, a lot of the owners out here are probably, you know, of the older age, and I don't mean that in any disrespect at all, but they're people that have um, always been there. It's, it's nothing transitioning to the new group. And, Brooke, um, before I get your thoughts, it's a very valid point. I mean, if you look around, there's there's a, a couple of young jockeys. I'll still put you and, and Alicia in that in that category as well. Um, it's great to see Danielle as a young trainer and, and Todd sort of in the mid part of his career, but um, there's no youthful ones knocking around stables looking to take their license out in particular is there no there's not you um very few and far between i don't even think i could possibly name one that i've seen out in our region uh, apart from danielle that has looked into possibly training or owning horses um but who knows maybe someone maybe it's only going to take a couple fresh young trainers or something to get some mates on board um and look at starting up a younger group of people with a horse but yeah I think uh, Max had some fantastic ideas um, that hopefully play out in the future but it would be good to see because I mean at the end of the day like Max said no disrespect but once um, you know those owners are getting to the stage where they're at an age where they're not you know willing to be going to the races anymore and that's not their lifestyle anymore well I mean who comes in to replace them? Right, Brookie, um, I put the Racing Queensland CEO hat on you for a day. What are the couple of things that you'd put in place for the next few years? Well, my views are probably very different being a jockey, but um, I'd love to see some tracks possibly um, be given the opportunity to be resurfaced. I'm not talking anything major um Major wise, but I think they're—I uh, don't know how to word it. I guess maybe track maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of it is left up to the volunteers and all that sort of thing. But I think it would be beneficial if um, there was something to do with Racing Queensland, where they came out so many times a year and inspected some race tracks, uh, and possibly, um, yeah, got in touch with the clubs and worked out what they could do to improve those those tracks because um, safety is a big thing and not just for us jockeys also for the horses I mean if we're um, looking after our horses out here and their legs and keeping them sound you know they're happy we're happy and it's a safe day racing and we can continue to do it for a lot longer and possibly 
would be nice to see some jockey room upgrades because we are pretty lucky. We do have quite nice jockey rooms, but unfortunately, boys, the girls are taking over the ranks and um, a lot of the time we get to the races and us girls are out on the veranda or sharing with the boys because there's not enough room. Yeah. Um, so that would be another thing that would benefit racing, seeing as we're starting to get uh, quite a number of girls just you know, back in the day there wasn't as many. It was mostly men, but um, we're pretty equal now. So that'd be another thing that would be awesome. Yeah, I think for mine, the top of the list at the moment is probably programming to a certain extent. Uh, we saw that weekend a couple of weeks ago where there was 13 meetings on across two days only. One of them was on a Sunday. Um, just alleviating that Sunday or maybe a Monday tab meeting i don't know there's, there's plenty of options there but um to give all the participants all the horses a, a chance to run i think they've got to maybe spread out but that's a job for the clubs and, and racing queensland to, to have a look at that programming big weekend speaking of programming this weekend uh we go to blackhall we go to hewenden Maribus and george and thangould for their cards brooke you'll be heading to blackhall for a couple yeah heading to blackhall got a full book so um should be a good day. Got rides for Dad and taking up some mounts for Bevan Johnson also. Yeah, good race that open. We see a fully maxed who on paper ran seventh in that Battle of the Bush. He was only beaten a couple of lengths and presented, um, you know, with, with 175, 200 to go. Looked almost the winner, Max. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I think this is, yeah, it's going to be, like I said, a, a great day of racing there in Blackhall. All, all the fields look extremely competitive. Up to Hewenden, it's Cup Day there. Uh, tricky little race, the uh, Cup. You've got Charlie Cat and friends taking on the Central West Galloper Chapalco. Yeah, well, obviously we've seen Charlie Cat for a big win last start in Okanagan, Okanagan Miss, a huge winner at Oak Park, and that extra 200 metres looks like it's going to suit her down to the ground. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really competitive race and probably going to be the case across the um, across the meeting up there in, in, in Hewenden. Oh, one of my old horses has popped up at St George for the Cup. Sale. Uh, he's now <laughs> with uh, Benny Waldron. Uh, it takes on uh, another eight, including Meatball, that's uh, with Ben Waldron now as well. He's getting a team. Uh, Brooke, have you ridden St George before? Yeah, I have. I was actually based in St George for a short while with Pat Webster. Oh, very good. Ten grand to the winner. What's that track like there? Yeah, it's not bad. It has a very, very sharp um, turn and a bit of a dog leg. I know some people start punching out thinking they're in the straight and then they come round and they're not in the straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pl- pl- plenty of results to cover next Tuesday night. Brooke, thanks for your time. All right, thanks very much. All the best on Saturday. Max Tanks and Andrew Watts signing out of the Greater Western Queensland Racing News Podcast for this evening. Have a great weekend. All the best uh, wherever you're racing. We'll catch you again next Tuesday night.